Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Discuss Podcast. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have the one and only DJ Crust. Thanks you very much for coming on, Crust. Hey man, it's good to be here. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. It's good to have uh, another, well, the first Bristol local artist on the podcast as I myself, obviously, I live in Bristol and work in Bristol and it's very nice you're the first local Bristol, okay. original Bristol artist that okay, we've, cool. we've had on the podcast, so it's cool. really exciting. So thanks for coming on. So yeah, on this podcast, obviously, we like to cover topics around like community society how we can bring people together and sort of develop a better shared understanding Mm. for people and everyone through the lessons that we've learned Mm. in music or the lessons that that can be learned through music so firstly i'd like to kind of touch on you've obviously got quite a prolific journey in music um a lot of people if anyone knows about you a lot of people consider you as one of the originators of the drum and bass sound Mm. um which is a very big moniker to hold and something which I'm very interested in getting into mm. your kind of perception and views on that sound as a whole and the powers within it so how would you describe the evolution of your sound individually mm. more specifically and how do you think it's changed over the years and like what what factors do you think have influenced that kind of progression that's a great question man I think for me it started off like when I first kind of found my thing in music, it was hip hop. Grew up in a quite a musical household, but I kind of gravitated towards when I was old enough anyway to realize what music was. I kind of gravitated towards the whole two tone thing, specials, madness, that type of thing. Yeah. And then at fourteen, I saw this film, Wild Style, <clears throat> and that completely changed my game. I I saw these guys on TV breakdancing, spray painting, rapping, DJing. And it was like a, the light went, it, I just, I was like, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It just completely blew my mind. And the next day I was a, I was a B-boy. It was literally like that. And the next morning me and my brothers, we woke up because right, we're going to be B-boys now. We're going to learn how to do this breakdancing stuff, this graffiti, rapping, we, the whole culture. We, I want to be a part of that. And, I just dove in. I didn't know what we were doing. We just copied what we saw on the film. Grandmaster Flash had these turntables, so we tried to get the turntables. People were breakdancing on pieces of lino. That's what we did. And lucky, the school gave us a room. So it was 14, the school gave us a room. We held discos every Friday. Then we moved that to a youth club, Eagle House Youth Club up in Norwest. We did that like once a month. And then it kind of just grew out of that. And... I kind of got into the whole raving thing and then I was DJing we were building up this crew thing and it just became like there was like a if you wanted to have something unique and different you had to become unique and different and the way to do that back then was you had to make a tune yeah, it sound it sound, it doesn't sound so revolutionary or radical today because anyone and anyone can do it but back then you got to remember there was no internet there was no laptops there was no like accessibility of no nothing it was like if you knew somebody who had a computer and they could make music that was a big a big look and so my brother Flynn he had this idea to make a tune Wishing on a Star and he yeah. hooked up with Smith and Mighty and they spent a year making this tune 
and that was really the, the start of the journey for me he'd come back he'd be like playing playing as what he's made and we're like whoa what's going on man tell us what's like in the studio and it was yeah. like this big mystery fast forward I, we start, I start trying to figure it out myself I get an Atari ST1040 and one day I get a phone call from this guy Charlie Cheese and he's like yeah you gotta like you gotta check this thing out it's called Cubase it's like what is it? He goes, trust me, just come down tonight, eight o'clock, I'm gonna show you. So we'll get to his house, there's about 10 of us in his house and he's yeah. showing us all this program called Cubase. And that was really the beginning of like me learning learning it. I was I was making in the beginning, I don't even know what you call it, just experimental Bristol stuff at the moment. I was heavily influenced by hip hop obviously, but Smith for Mighty, they were doing their thing. And it was just as a beginning of us, a beginning of a sound. I mean, that, that it was was a Bristol sound, which was like electronic mixed up with half speed, down tempo, big big sub bass kind of vibe. Mm. So I kind of was making a little bit of that, and then raving happened. Yeah, and I was just raving every weekend. <laughs> I was raving with Di, Ray Mighty, Smith Mighty again. The, and we were just out raving. Yeah, experiencing the culture. Yeah. It for for me though, because I was so into the whole hip hop thing and and breaks thing. Because I'd be part of being a b boy. We were scratch DJs as well, so I knew a lot of the breaks. And when we were in the studio, we were chopping up and chopping at the breaks. When we started to go to the rave, so I started to hear some of the breaks in these rave tunes. Right. Sped up. Yeah. Amen. Breaks. Hot pants. Apache. And, we, and I was like, me and I would be like, what's going like, on? We knew them breaks. We knew the breaks, so yeah. Significant to you. Yeah, so anytime someone will play one of those tunes, because most of the time it's flat beat, four to the floor. But then a tune would come in with hot pants in it and we'd run to the DJ, see who was playing it and listen. And it'd be like, wow, what's going on? Like trying to, trying to, trying to understand what's going on. And then we'd come back to the studio, like Sunday, buzzing still. Inspired. but inspired yeah trying to experiment and then we were tinkering and we just noticed the tempo was going up going up going up going up and we were just experimenting just sort of making similar things that we were hearing and just trying to come up with something and then I remember about a year a year or so into it two years into it about I remember we were in the studio one day and we were making this beat and then we came in and somehow the, the kick drum was muted, huh. right? And so we pressed play and it was just this bass line and these brakes going crazy. And we're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and we're like, put the kick drum back in. So you put the kick drum back in, take it out, take it out, leave it out. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like a huge shift. They were like, we discovered this thing and we were like, and from that day onwards, we only made beats with this sort of, jungle that was like for us that was the first no, it wasn't called jungle then right but it was like the first time i remember us making this tune that didn't have that four to the floor in it and it was like it was just different the original drums and bass, yeah it was like, original yeah it was drums like drums and bass like, yeah in its raw context yeah like, it was like we got something here that's fascinating i find it interesting when you touched on the, like accessibility side of things yeah. and music something which i'm trying to I find really interesting is like the, the fact that you were able to make music was a show a sign of your like resourcefulness yeah. and also like the access you were given 
thankfully to the what was it the school you said or yeah the school the school let the space you, yeah give you the space yeah and that's something which I think is so important in terms of something which I'm really I'm really passionate about or which I think is really important is trying to bring in the younger generations mm. underprivileged communities yeah. into music and often you find with anyone who's from that from that kind of background has was given a was just given a chance and I think that's a really important thing you touched on it was like the beginning of your story was just that someone you enabled you were fortuitous enough to have yeah. that ability which yeah. obviously then birthed the your career that you've had yeah and then you said you talked about the bass frequencies something which I've which I think is really interesting and someone who's like obviously you've spent a lot of time working with them listening to them harnessing yeah. them. what is it you think about those that kind of frequency and bass in particular that makes it such such like a powerful tool in, in sort of invoking emotions and kind of creating a, a sort of a, a musical experience I think frequencies just in general they all do different things we're this is a frequency now how we're speaking yeah emotions have a frequencies i think with bass it physically moves you it's got a maternal feeling to it so it feels like it's warm and cozy i was known i had a reputation for falling asleep in speakers when i was younger yeah me too <laughs> and, um, and i guess it's just that warm comforting feeling the sub bass pumping in your back and you just going to sleep with these and you're mm. just enjoying a moment i mean I don't think I can put my finger on it and say exactly what it is, other than it it fulfills a, a sort of internal requirement and fills up that frequency when you when you're making music and those speakers are, are, are rattling and you can feel it in your body and it's and it's doing something. It's it's making you. My whole thing about music. Let's 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 tackle this a different way. Yeah. Because, but my my whole thing about music is I want to transport you to somewhere you've never been before. Right. Like that's my thing. Like when I make my music, I'm in another world. I'm not thinking about anything, and and that took a long time to really get. Like people would say to me, "What do you think about in the studio?" And I say nothing, and they think I'd be funny. And I say, "No, no, I'm actually thinking about nothing. I'm trying to empty my mind. I'm really meditation. Yeah. yeah, I I I go to the studio. I have a practice, so I'll meditate. I'll go for walks. I'll burn incense. It's for me, studio is a temple. It's a ritual." So I'll go to the space and I want I don't want to bring anything in there that's not going to help me lose myself or tap into the next dimension. And so while I'm in that space for those hours, I'm tapping into the source. I'm meditating. I'm asking the spirits, my ancestors, I want you to infuse me, my guardian angels, I want you to infuse me with 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 the power and the knowledge to create something that hasn't been earned before. I want you to infuse me with the spirit of rebellion, of 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 resistance. I'm saying so I can make a piece of music that inspires people to be bigger and bolder than they are. That's 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 the spirit that comes through my music. And my sometimes my music isn't the bassiest, but when I do find it, it's about what are the best frequencies to tell the story. Mm. And so that's that's what I'm tuning into. I want I want I want you to be able to listen to this to this track 
to have this experience, to lose yourself in it. So it takes you to where you need to go to find your spirit animal. So it takes you to a place where you find your courage, your your resilience, where you can find your inspiration to create your piece of art that does the same thing to the next person. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. I come from the Smith and Mighty lineage, from the Wild Bunch, Massive Attack lineage, from the Bristol Sound lineage, Mark Stewart, Tackhead, people that came before me, Viv Gordon and the Authentics, people that came before me that were, when I went to see these people, that's what they did to me. I was transported away. And I, and I stood there in front of these people watching them, wondering when is it going to be my turn to do the same thing? And eventually I got it and I and I paid I paid respect to that, to respect to the gods. I, I, I recognised the privilege that you have when people listen to your music and, and the honour that, that that requires, respect that that requires. And so I don't abuse that. I recognise that it's a powerful medium that when you when people come up to you and say, I had it the other night, I was playing in London, two guys come up to me and goes, Cross man, your music changed my life and it's like mm. you gotta be humbled by that. It's 100%. not when someone says your music changed their life and it's like what you just said, I was that guy that was this came from a disadvantaged background who was fortunate enough to forge my way through yeah. by being persistent and and so all these like little things they pay off to to that's the payoff it's not about how many records you sold it's not about how many rewinds you get when someone comes up to you and says your music changed my life it's like tick 100 <laughs> percent. do you know what i mean i did something right 100 percent. and so for me Whatever I can use in the studio to help create that, that's why that's what I use to weave together to weave together the story. I think that's beautiful, and I think I've always said if I could leave a mark on one person, just yes. one person, to inspire them on their journey, it just in my whole career, yeah. I feel accomplished. I 100% agree I think that's what it's about I think that whenever I go to a dance and I see people when I'm playing and if I'm playing my music and I see people smiling and dancing it's like yeah I did something right I think you touched on also I think that's really beautiful what you just said and I think that's really inspiring and I think that's exactly the motive that making music for music's sake for your own enjoyment a lot Mm. of the time and then what the product of what comes of it is always a bonus Mm. and I think that's always the best approach towards any sort of creative act if things come of it then things come of it but you're talking about something there about this tapping into the source Mm. and the meditation and um, that book by Rick Rubin which I'm sure many people have read but for a lot of people that haven't it's called A Creative Act and he talks a lot about that a lot about enabling a space but he said basically what I always thought was really beautiful and which I try and encourage others in my musical journey, youngers or people aspiring to be musicians mm. or trying to tap into their voice, yeah. singing, production, whatever it is, is that everyone is creative. Mm. Everyone has it in them. It's about understanding how to how to tap into that. Mm. And a lot of people, a lot of creatives I know struggle often with creative blocks and, and they're sat there working hard. They're sat there trying to squeeze themselves, trying to mm. squeeze it out. Mm. And someone like yourself who's been you've been going through that process for many years now you've understood the the power of the ritual mm. and the necessity of that of creating a space within your mind and your spirit to tap into the stream of of the, yeah. the creative stream that exists mm. and and like you said the ancestral that exists beyond this mm. physical lived experience mm. and i think that's that I, the idea of a stream of creativity and 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 like you were talking about your ancestors and things like that. That that power, that idea for me, 
kind of really helps to understand the power that music has the ability what i'm trying to say sorry is that your ability to translate that message that you're receiving mm. to others mm. is enabling them to then feel the power of that of that yes. place and and help them because some people can't tap into that yeah. and you're almost giving them the tools or giving them the experience that is helping them to yeah. tap into that yeah a lot of people i see go to dances like i'm obviously i come from the sound system kind of dub, dub and reggae kind of music side of things mm. and the experiences i see unwitnessed or feel even myself is sometimes inexplainable mm. for people who aren't who who don't have a creative outlet mm. but they come there to feel the power that us as musicians or purveyors of music mm. get to experience mm. on a regular basis mm. and i think yeah that's that's like a super super poignant factor behind why people are so attracted to listening to music yeah is it kind of gives them a, a window or a an insight or a, mm. a taste mm. as it were mm. into that into tapping into that because yeah. a lot of people don't have that one like you said the accessibility mm. to create or the ability or they've never been taught they've never had the, the cer- certain se- set of circumstances mm. that's enabled them to get there mm. but then we give it you as a musician or anyone else as a musician kind of just gives them that on a, yeah. as an experience and I think that's really really nice yeah. it's a really nice thing to touch on and I so obviously this is that's kind of the deeper side of spiritual side of 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 music as a whole mm. but you're obviously known for making drum and bass music right and a lot of people listening who are big fans of yours will 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 be drum and bass fans mm-hmm. i'm sure and i want to kind of understand a bit more about the the rhythmic what you see as the the powers behind the the kind of rhythmic production and the I always talk about the subconscious and unconscious appreciation of music. So, like, how I feel like you were saying, like, the bass line just makes you move mm. and it kind of connects with this, like, subconscious side of you, which you're not really you're not really paying attention to. It kind of just happens mm. and it kind of just makes you move. Mm. Well, and I try and explain it. To the conscious side is more the melody and the rhythm, the bit that you're, you're like, you're more paying attention to mm. and you're kind of listening to the lyrics as it were or listening to the message and the energy with, mm. that's created within the music from that mm. and I kind of want to know from your perspective what you think about the actual use of drums and bass as opposed to other musics mm. what makes it so for you what make do you believe it makes it because obviously you've spent your you could have gone off in different directions which mm. you have done mm. in a lot of other your projects that you've done but you've always been a staunch mm. producer of drum and bass and you still mm. play it out and etc yeah. etc et so what do you think is like the difference in the and the power in the- i just think the, the that tempo 170 is addictive the frequencies that it produces just do something to you harmonically it's very hard to, to put it down. Yeah, it's a it's a broad question. I'm just interested in. Yeah, I mean, no, no, it's not hard to put oh, it down. Right. Okay, like, cool. Put stop making it. I mean, oh right, yeah, okay, put it, it down. Yeah, yeah, it's very hard. It's like it's like, and I've tried. Mm. I've tried to. I mean, my last album was 175. Sorry, was 170. But I experimented within those frequencies, like half times, quarters, and stuff. I think for me, what I really like about that tempo is that it is very versatile. You can go 87 BPMs as well, which is a real, it's like a halftime vibe that's really interesting. And you can get even more 
power, even more bass, even more kind of crunch on it. When you go back to 170, it's this sort of sort of pick me up kind of vibe, a sort of frequency alert that just just does something to you. It's like this energy shift. I've just seen it take people in so many different ways. I remember one time we were in, I got asked to go on tour in America with a band. The drummer is one of my closest friends now. And at the time, he was a drummer in a rock band. And Di went for the first two weeks. I went for the second two weeks. And it was the most diverse, outside-the-box experience I've had for playing that I probably have ever had. There was nobody there that came to see us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because they were there for the band. They were there for the band, Right. right? And so for the first hour and a half... We're playing music to people who've never even heard the music, let alone know what it is. That's a fascinating experience. And it was amazing. Mm. So the first 10, 50 minutes, people would come in and you'd see them, they just like totally perplexed. Like, what the is this? Like, they couldn't understand it, right? And then 30 minutes in, you see lots of just looks and people sort of moving their bodies, trying to understand it, trying to trying to get it. And about 45 minutes in, it was always the women, always the women. You could see them shaking them, shaking their bodies, Mm -hmm. like getting it, like the rhythm would start taking them. And then an hour in, the place would be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And we saw the pattern all the way through. Every, like for two weeks, same, same pattern. And it was really interesting just watching people's bodies and their reaction to this music they'd never heard before. And you could see it was their bodies first. It was like, there's there's this... it's like this, the mind has to disengage. It's right. like you kind of got to stop thinking. Because when they were thinking, you see they couldn't get it. And so what dynamite, and I'm, in the early days, what you got from the like, jungle was the performers would be teaching the audience what the rhythm is. So the MCs would be doing the sway. Because when people first come to jungle, they think they got to dance to it at 170. And so they're really trying to keep up. And it's like, no, you go halftime. <laughs> Yeah, and you'd see the MCs and the DJs they'd be doing it and you see the people they come in and they watch the DJs and they'd be following the MC so Dynamite would just do the sway side to side and then you see the women doing the sway side to side and that's like and then all of a sudden everyone gets it oh that's what it is and then you see the wave <laughs> Yeah, everyone's doing the side to side because it's like human human like human thing right we're all watching each other we're all getting it and then boom you see it and it's this moment at the hour point Every, everything clicks in everyone gets it we get it they get it and then we're all now we're all in sync nice and every you can feel you can feel you feel the difference yeah, the feedback's there yeah it's there yeah. and everybody's like in sync and it's just harmony and then it's like this great experience they've just had this thing and it's just this tra- it's just in- really interesting transition so I was very fortunate to see that and I've seen it many times after that like in Japan and that was Japan was a really interesting one because the first time we played in Japan we played to a seated audience no one was dancing wow. so we did a represent show there and, and it was just different again <laughs> like everyone was sat down and we'd never played to an audience sat down before yeah right and they were like just, it limits the experience yeah they weren't doing they weren't even like tapping nothing it was just like after the first song normally everyone goes crazy we look and everyone's just like (laughs) and we're like jeez it's gonna be one of those nights is it and then we went back there a year later two years later completely different everyone was up raving and you know you can see how jungle had 
totally. The thing about Jungle is, it was like we were the liberators. We would go into these countries, and listen, me and Ronnie used to get sent to some places that I I can't even pronounce. Some oh. Eastern European countries, like there was, we'd go to a club. There'd be a hundred people in the club. And it just felt like we were these explorers being sent into these places to just play this music to these people. And then we'd, we'd get parachuted in and then have to get smuggled out in yeah. the, 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 the darkness. And it was just like, it was just like for about four years, it was like this this new thing was happening and we were introducing it to these people. And people were hear about it. They didn't quite know what it is and people would be coming and they'd just be there watching. Like, what is this music? I don't get it. It's like, it's it's interesting. It's got lots of frequencies, but I don't get it. And then we go back there again three or four months later and it'd be bigger and they would be getting it. They'd be hearing more tapes than maybe tuning into One Extra or some Pirates or something. And you could see how this music was breaking people down. It was just changing their, their mindsets. And this whole thing about being a junglist, it was... It was the attitude. It was yeah. the mindset. And before, for me, I was like a b-boy. I still am a b-boy, but I'm a junglist now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I approach music and culture from a junglist point of view. With like a philosophy behind yeah, it. Yeah, because it, 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 it is a way of life. It's a way you carry yourself. It's the same thing with being a b-boy. Being a b-boy had deep spiritual uh, connotations, but it also had cultural connotations it was like you held yourself a certain way you carried yourself with different purpose i mean you had rules and boundaries that you didn't cross b-boys don't don't b-boys are always fresh you always got to be dope you always got to come with originality a new style i took that to jungle for me in jungle it was like we, we never used the same breaks more you know once more than once we always prided ourselves on having fresh drums fresh basses looking for the freshest sounds that came from hip-hop Right. Like that that was our whole the ethos. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Wherever we went in the world, we we tell the promoter, take us to a record shop, take us to second hand shops, take us to old music shops. Wherever we were, and we spend at least the first four or five hours of our trips either before or afterwards in these shops, getting the, the rarest breaks, buying the dopest trainers, buying the dopest cigars for blunts. Like it was like everything had to be fresh, dope and because it was like we were we were representing our culture. We wanted to be the people when you saw what jungle was? Jungle was this next level lick. It wasn't some old, tired, stale thing. We were representing the culture. We were bringing the next new thing. It had to look right. It had to sound right. And so when we brought that, it was like, that was the whole story. It wasn't just one thing. It was like we were bringing this whole ethos. You know what I'm saying? And so when you, when you heard jungle, you didn't just hear the music. You were being baptized into, uh, in, into the jungle, the junglist religion the, the mindset and that, and that that was that that in itself created the the, the storyline that when people saw it that's what they were buying into that's that was the thing that they were attracted to right yes yeah, so it's like the more not just necessarily the music the, the whole lifestyle that it comes a, with it yeah and the way that people live. what do you see that what so when you talk about the junglist not just so you're saying like the fresh mentality would you say there is like a socio-cultural philosophy that comes with being a junglist as well so like the way you kind of approach your view on the world or politics or the world view 
not yeah. to talk about politics too yeah, much. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I know. mean, of course, of course. I mean, it's it's, it's punk. It's anti-establishment. Right. It's a it's a movement that was born from necessity. You're either driven to things by desperation or inspiration, and for us, it was a bit of both. Remember, we were the outcasts of society. Hip hop is the outcast of society. Yeah. Punk is the outcast of society. When I left school, excuse me, I remember going to my careers teacher and said, yeah, I want to, I think I was pulling his chain a little bit, but I said, yeah, I want to be a racing car driver. And he goes, oh, you ain't going to never do that, Mr. Thompson. You better be like some like a mechanic or a bricklayer. Classic, yeah. And I was like, not even going to entertain it then. Yeah. <laughs> I said, later, I said, that's not even in my frequency. And then I found music and it was like, I knew. I've had three or four times in my life when I literally knew, like instantly, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Music, when I, when I, when I walked into that recording studio, when I, when I watched Wildstar for the first time, I knew I was going to do that. The next time I walked into a recording studio, I knew I was going to do that. It was like, it was just, for me, it was, it was this all-encompassing feeling. There was no doubt in my mind. It was so clear. I knew I was going to do that. And so... For 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 having this idea about what jungle is, it becomes this all-encompassing thing. It becomes your life. Yeah. When we started doing making this music, we lived it. We breathed it. There was nothing else that was more important than this music. And so you do create a philosophy. You do create a, a, a religion around it. For us, we we sat down and we were politic. We would talk about what what was going on in the world. That was that was that was in our music. It's interesting the question you asked earlier, something about how the music and the energy about it. I used to speak to people and they used to tell me what the music meant to them, how it made them feel. And what I got to understand is like when we're in the studio and we're making this music, we are putting our souls into it I mean the way that you would pay attention to a kick drum or a break the the the, the, the level of detail you would go into it that's your energy going into mm. that for two or three days your energy is pouring into this into this thing that you're making and then somebody else is sitting there listening to it closing their eyes putting their headphones on and they're listening to it and it's having this effect to them it's like you have to be in it on a whole nother level, meaning, consciousness, spirituality, the connection with your own self and the source, storytelling, like all of these things all compact up and create this meaningful exchange that we call music, that somebody experiences, that moves somebody enough that they want to now be a junglist move somebody enough so they'll get your label tattooed on their skin yeah, yeah. that's deep bro yeah, right yeah. when you when you when you go to a dance and someone stops you and rips off their clothes and you're like what the hell and then they show you their tattoo you're like whoa it's like it's a level of commitment to the that's deep the message because it's connected with them enough for them to justify that exactly yeah right and so it it, it keeps because we live it we breathe it and we know what the, it means to us, but when we're out and you go to these places, it doesn't matter where you go, Miami, Tanzania, Japan, Australia, and you see somebody who's at that level, you got they're, they're coming from the same place you are. They might live somewhere else, 
but they've got the same life experience as you had because that's what it means to them yeah. that they've connected yeah they've connected to that story because it's a story they've bought into they've read the magazines they've st they've listened to our interviews and like I'm I'm one of you yeah just the same way I identified with those guys on the screen when I saw Wildstar I was like I'm one of you I live in Bristol you guys are in Brooklyn but I'm one of you yeah I know exactly what you're going through That's I want to be like that I want to represent that and so these things become become who we are it becomes bigger than what we are and you can see look at the influence of the music today 25 30, 30 years later it hasn't shown any signs of slowing down there's a whole new generation of people technology now is made with this in mind <coughs> films use it tv uses it the culture has embraced it so now it's normal it's like it's not the new thing but it still has an impact on culture and on people and on the way that we live our lives to to, to the to the to the degree that i say i'm a junglist what does that mean yeah i think it's such a, a you touched on so many really powerful factors of music there its ability to it as a universal cultural universal people describe it as a cultural universal mm. something which as we've seen time and time again has broken <clears throat> international boundaries cultural boundaries i find it that story about you with crust going around performing to people who've never heard it before yeah. and connecting with them who again from who have completely different backgrounds upbringings stories everything mm. to to yourselves but your ability to translate your message of uh, like the energy like you said the energy that you put into the music mm. without words it's not often to translate yeah. that uh, quite often so accurately mm. into someone else's consciousness mm. is is that says a lot about mm. sound's ability yeah. uh, as a as a means of communication uh, as a means of translating things oh, it was an art form really that's what yeah. art is translating yeah. me information through other means other than language mm. And I think what the, you I was I wanted to touch you touched on the the strong underground culture and and that has influenced your music has influenced drum and bass and jungle mm. music as a whole the culture that come before the anti-establishment the sort of rebellious aspect of the music how do you like do you think that that comes from any other UK influences as well like obviously Bristol. And and if so, more so. I'm kind of now thinking about what are the influence. What do you think are the influences that drum and bass then has had musically on like the development of music since the origination of that? Yeah, I mean, where has it kind of lead led to? We've seen it lead a lot of places. Yeah, I think that it's it's it's, it's been able to cross over into lots of different aspects. I think one thing that's happened in the last sort of five years, I've been meeting loads of people who run big companies and quite successful companies and they tell me that they used to come raving back in the day. Yeah. And and I find that interesting. It's like, on some level, that level of, of freedom that you'd experience from going raving and that sort of anti-establishment kind of rebellious punk nature 
it's inspired people in a way. It's been their soundtrack to create something that is now a company, is now something that is affecting other people's lives. And like we, we, we easily connect the dots when it's a music to music, but now it's like culture to culture that aren't necessarily connect, connected, obviously. Now you've seen the people that run these companies yeah, I used to go raving with you. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I still, I still listen to the music, man. I still get excited by it. And it's like people used to listen to our music when they were studying. People that came to Bristol to go to Bristol Uni because of what we were doing here in music wise. That's the power of the music. People will come to Bristol because of the music, and and study. It's like wow. Like some people haven't left. Some people have had families here. Some people. I was at a rave a couple of months back and this young guy comes up to me and says, um, yeah, you're crust, isn't it? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, he goes, yeah, my dad used to play me your tunes when I was a, when I was a little baby. I was like, how old are you? <laughs> and yeah. the, kid, the yeah. kid's 19. Yeah. And he's like, my tune, most of my tunes are older than he is. And I'm like, that's deep. This, 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 how it's going through different levels, different people. And what's he going to do? Yeah. What's she gonna do? Yeah. What what are they gonna do with the music? Yeah. How how are they going to pattern the world with their creations, with that frequency? The energy of the music does something to you when you're listening to it. You're getting these ideas. Everything that I've done is come from music. I've re-educated myself. That's because of what music has taught me. Music has helped me step into places where I would I definitely wouldn't have been able to go to. It's opened my eyes about so. So, for instance, I'll give you, I'll give you a clear example. Yeah. I wasn't that the greatest student. I never read much, right? But because I had to learn to read manuals so I could operate the machines, right. I started to read more books. Because I started to read more books, I started to study more, and yeah. because I started to study more, I started to understand more of, of the world. Yeah. And that's all because of that. And because of that, traveling, I started to be in different cultural groups, experiencing different people, having different ideas because I was around different people from different walks of life, telling me about books, telling me about courses, telling me about teachers, telling me about practices. And my ex my experience is now expanding. That's coming back into my music. That's mm. it's expanding my repertoire, mm. my own catalogue of information and knowledge. And, and that's all coming through that. So... It's, it's an explosion, multi-dimensional explosion of information and, and culture and, and things that I feel like today I'm more of, I'm more of like an anthropologist. I'm, an, I'm really I'm in there with this, this curious mind trying to understand where the far reaches of this music is, is going. Who is the person that's taking this music the furthest and what are they doing with it? I've seen people use this music and, and do these really interesting pieces of art because of that. And, and you know, they're listening to Jungle and they're creating these multi-dimensional pieces of art and stuff. And it's one guy who oh, did an NFT talk in Bristol. And this guy, he would beatbox... 170 beatboxing jungle wow. it, was, it was incredible yeah. and then he would be creating these beautiful pieces it was like the whole thing i would connect it up it was like it just blew my mind i've seen that as um the beatbox the guy from the beatbox collective i think yeah does that yeah it's like a, a 
program was touch yeah. his voice. Yeah. Yeah. It was like and so for me, I'm like I'm looking out for these things, how and far and wide that this and, and where is it gonna go next? What are they gonna do next with it? Who's gonna take it and do something? I, I don't even want to say because I don't want, I just want I just want yeah, to be like see what happens. Yeah, I just want to be I want to see what happens. I want to see how and hear how people take it. Where are they going to take it? Who's going to do the first cryptocurrency? The jungle cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah. Right? Who's going to be the first person to do something on the blockchain with jungle? Yeah. Who's the first person who's going to do the create the first web free platform that's you know what I'm saying it's like mm -hmm. and it's here who's going to be the first to create some AI jungle technology that's influenced by it that's got that same kind of rebellious energy, energy yeah nature about it and where is it gonna where's it gonna go i think that is that the future is something which yeah we is always worth talking about it's very unknown and hard to predict about where things are gonna go and when i talk about the future i try and think about how a, a better we can envisage a better world for ourselves and I think through discussion, but through music, it has it holds a big key factor to that. And you touched on it just then in in that in that short monologue, which was about people who have started their own businesses who listen to your music. Mm. And something which I understand from like my studies of psychology and a trauma, like a big fan of understanding trauma like past trauma generational trauma mm. and the ability you can to develop an identity outside of the one that you're brought up in is in my opinion crucial not only to enable creativity because the expectation the parental expectation is often very strong mm. of people of our generation and before me in fact it's quite a long-standing generational issue mm. is the expectation of the parent and i from what from conversations i've had with any creatives i've observed i would love to see some scientific evidence on this if anyone knows of any then please send it through but from what i've observed from long-standing conversation with people my colleagues friends other creatives is that when to enable them to be creative and uh, they've either been afforded the the this lack of parental expectation mm. either via circumstance loss of a parent etc etc or their parents gave it to them from birth mm. verbally spiritually energetically mm. and it told them that you can do whatever you want i kind of support you mm. no matter what mm. rather than trying to push someone into a certain direction and i think the fact that you've you've observed people who've developed their own businesses and mm. or created done something because they've listened to them that, that is a kind of testament to that idea that listening to the music has given them a sense of identity outside of when you're talking about people who've lived come to bristol or stayed here mm. myself included that's what it did for me mm. i come here and it helped me develop a sense of identity away from where I grew up, mm. away from what I was doing, and I felt like my own person mm. for the first time ever. And then from that position, I was in a position of of openness and strength to be able yeah. to move forward in a way which I wanted, which I saw myself being able to do. Mm. I think that passing that on is 
a really really powerful kind of psychological mental health aspect of music yeah. that can help people to to harness their true power their true like ability as an mm. individual I mean whatever that is they want to do they might want to become a, a lawyer or anything whatever yeah. it doesn't have to be music I'm talking yeah. about but just giving you that kind of yeah. like you said passing on that message and passing on that freedom mm. and I think that's a really like nice thing you touched on pretty much everything you just said yeah I think anywhere where you can borrow courage yeah right? where you can borrow something that you see I'll tell you a story of how I created crust <laughs> yeah please so when I saw Wildstar I want I wanted to I want I wanted to do that I I, I but the, but the person that I was at the time is quite a shy guy like Kay he's quite a shy guy quite reserved but I knew I had to become something more if I was going to be a b-boy I can't be a shy b-boy <laughs> it just doesn't work I had to become this guy crust I had to become bigger than I was a break dancer a graffiti guy you had to I had to be able to push up my chest sometimes so I could get on Mm. Like there were some other break dancers that said, no, it's my turn. Yeah. And I realized like that that character he had to he had to get tough. I had to put pre- I had to pretend at first and and eventually I embodied it. But that wasn't K, that was the character I had to create. And so this whole idea gets molded and it's a vehicle. I realized like late much later on and and when I took a break about almost ten years ago. I had time to really think about what happened because from 14 to about almost 40, I'd lived this crust life and I I grew up as him into the music fraternity, left Noel West at like 19, 20, went to St. Paul's, Montpellier. But, but, now, but, but when I got there, crust was almost fully formed. Anyone asked me, my name is crust. No, no mm. one even knew my real name for years. Some people still don't, right? Yeah. They just know me as crust and his character and you build this persona but through that i was able to do what you were saying learn loads of things become this person and i'm i'm borrowing that from wildstar right i'm borrowing that from watching these guys in hip-hop that's how you do hip-hop like you you put your chest up you stand up you you say yes it's me and you take it and that's yeah. what I learned in jungle. I brought that to jungle. It's like full cycle. We ain't waiting. Like we, one of the biggest things that we did through again, it was desperation or inspiration. We tried to get signed. We tried to get our music signed to other labels. Nobody yeah. was interested in it. Yeah. And in the end, we're like, we need to do it ourselves. And so we figured it out. None of us knew how to do the label thing, but eventually we start this label. We start this business, this brand, this whole idea. None of us knew what we were doing, but we seized it, right? We made something happen mm. and we took it. We took our piece of time. We took our piece of history. And that, and that's because we all came from that era, punk era. The people we were hanging out with, like Dai was a punk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Sub, Sub was a cross between punk, Rue Boy, and Ronnie was a, was a, was a, a B-boy, reggae boy. Same thing. I'm a b boy kind of ska boy, but these 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 communities, if they're known for taking it, right. but you have to have a certain mentality mm. to do that. Into ego is a, is a really important thing. Yeah, yeah it's like mm. 
Yes. You're channeling it. Yeah, you we you have to become something more than you are to step into that role because if you can't be and you it's not about being aggressive, but you have to be assertive and you have to know who you are and that's what that does that's what that initial phase in hip hop did. It gives you that sense of identity. So so you now you're right so to become a DJ back in the day, you didn't call yourself a DJ. You had to earn that. And to become a DJ, you had to play a certain amount of parties. You had to play a certain amount of events and be able to hold the party. Take You'd, you'd play, we used to do house parties back in the day where one person would play for three, four hours until they were tired and the yeah. next DJ would come on. It wasn't like an hour, an hour. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you came on and you played your set. Good and like, the vibe. Yeah, mm. and you take the people through the whole thing. You start off with some with some pop music, a couple of breaks you scratch up, then some house, then some acid, then some experimental, like Radio Babylon, that type of vibe. Mm. And then you'd probably finish off with a little bit of hip hop. And if you could do that and take the crowd with you until you finish your set, that was how you became a DJ. But in that, that's, that's how you became, that's how I became crust. Yeah. Right? That's how Ronnie Size became Ronnie Size. That's how Die became Die. It was like you had to earn that. And in earning it, that's who you became. And so you, after two, three, five, six, eight, nine years of that, I embodied this whole idea of what Crust was. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's who, that's, that was that whole story. And from that, Crust was like a world traveler. Whenever I walked into a place, I felt like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. Mm. I'd walk into a club, I owned it. Yeah. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in New York right now at three o'clock in the morning, just about to go on, and everyone's screaming, waiting to hit. Like I earned that. I made that happen. Yeah. And so when 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 later on, you can I can see how people embody these things and be, and create these new identities, these new stories, because it's like it's who you are now. You're taking a chance creating this business because, like, you took a chance becoming this person, going to a rave. It's a risky thing. Yeah. You go into these spaces, like, there's no guarantees to safe spaces. It was a crazy space for a while, jungle, raving. But something in you makes you dis- detach from the norm, right? And go into this new world that is like, Alice in Wonderland. It's like, where the hell are we? You just follow the phone. You've so, you you had a message on a phone, <laughs> and they told you to be somewhere at a petrol station at three at twelve o'clock at night, and you followed it. Yeah. And now you're in some field with loads of strangers. Yeah. That does. I mean, you got to be off the beaten track to follow that type of thing. Yeah, I think that's a whole vibration thing there. That's, yeah. Yeah. And so that affects you afterwards. You're not the same. You're not the same. You can't go back to the ordinary world and and pretend that this nine to five job's going to be going to satiate your appetite anymore. It's not enough. You need adventure. You need to live on the edge. This 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 touch this this topic touches on so many things. And for me, I'm I'm like bells ringing, ding ding. The the build up of the ego to enable performance is from what you're saying to me I'm trying to sum it up a little bit and trying to break it down is not only often a necessity to enable 
performative energy mm. but also the belief it, it, it's, it's yes. tapping into the belief of oneself mm. it's that whole self-esteem thing if you build up a, a, a an alter ego as it were like, like often the importance of monikers and pe- the reason why people have aliases mm. and and often then they change an alias to depend on the music is because the type of person that the alias they're building up around the not just the music they're building up but the persona the energy the 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 belief in that journey itself is oh. so attached to that alias that it's almost necessity sometimes to separate it, mm. and 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 often I've seen with a lot of musicians, some of them very extroverted, and that is who they are all the mm. time. Mm. Uh, but sometimes no, not everyone's yeah. the same, and and you know, often you see introverted creatives that as soon as they step off stage, they don't want to, they don't not really that interested in talking to many people, <laughs> yeah. and they're just they're doing their thing, and that's yeah. just part, that's just who they yeah. are. Yeah. But as soon as they come on stage, they light up, yeah. and you're like, hang on a minute, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's yeah. that? Yeah. And that's like you said, that's that a lot of people don't understand that process. They expect the yeah. person to be the same, yeah. and I see this quite often sometimes with, with fans and members of the public yep. who are approaching people who are introverted and not really that outgoing and don't really want to be. Some people just don't really want to. They do their communicating through the music, and yeah. that's where they do it, and that's yeah. enough for them. Yeah. They don't need to be chatting and, yeah. and connecting too much. And often I see it, and I've and I've spoke to people, and those people get perceived as rude. Yes, those artists sometimes get perceived as rude and yeah. ignorant. Yeah, but actually they're just shy, and yeah. they're just all anxious, yeah. and they just they they, don't, they just sure. don't want to talk to people. Yeah. and I've seen it so many times. You yeah. know that, and I think that's a good thing to highlight and help people who aren't in the music people understand, yeah. but also help everyone kind of appreciate how the, the, the process of kind of building up the ego and what's required there to kind of enable yourself to believe in yourself enough yes. to stand in front of so yeah. many people yeah. sometimes. That's a very intimidating thing. And very. without that ego build up, without tapping into that, sometimes makes it almost impossible to do. Yeah. And for myself, even from performing, yeah, you're right, you kind of step into this this different kind of attitude and it kind of it, it creates a defensive wall energetically but also kind of builds up that wall in 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 a, in a supportive sense i think yeah it's like you can't be you can't you, you you just can't do you can't be the normal regular person and step on stage because it requires a a level of excitement to ignite the audience yeah and they need to see something that is larger than them to ignite their imagination and so just by proxy, you have to become a character and that character has to be able to animate animate in a way that it, it the fire has to be risen. And, it, and you do see someone's eyes change. I remember when I saw uh, Capadonna in London, for, the, for I was trying to get him actually to rap on one of my tunes and he was like pacing up and down in, in, in the back room. And I could see... He he wasn't he wasn't here. <laughs> Just, I was I was trying to engage, and someone said, "No, he's 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 getting ready to go on stage. He's doing this thing." And I was like, "But I just want to go." No, no, no. Just like, and so he was quiet. He was just like pacing quiet. And then the minute he got on stage, brah, yeah. this character. He was like in full hip hop mode, right? Mm. I was like, and that's one of the first times I really kind of saw the different animal. I mean, I've been doing it myself, but I didn't. You can't observe yourself, no, right? It's not as easy. But when I saw it, I was like, "That's a that, yeah, that's that's a sh- full shift." Yeah, full shift. I've seen it loads of times. Yeah, it happens. I've seen it with loads of artists. They literally won't even talk to it. They're not interested. Yeah. And then they come on stage and blah, all of it's all there. Yeah. 
And I, I guess that's also probably an important part of their own expression because they, they're in there somewhere. And maybe it's an ability for them to let you let out that side of themselves that yeah. they often don't feel yeah. correct to do so. And they, But in that space, they do feel safe yeah. to do so. And I think that's really inspiring. I think that's that's really nice and it kind of talks about like the mental health aspects of things and kind of a more psychological perspective. Mm. Something else which I want to kind of touch on and, and like kind of, in, and I really like to hear someone who, who I consider a, vet, a veteran. I hope you don't mind me using that word. As long as you don't call me heritage, it's fine. No, yeah. <laughs> someone who's very experienced in something and has been in part of drum and bass, its journey from almost its inception to now. I see uh, the landscape of the music and the way it's performed and even the, the actual sound and mm. the popularity of the certain... There's so many branches of drum and bass as there is of most genres nowadays. The evolution, mm. it kind of it splinters and it grows. What's your opinions of like the current landscape of drum and bass and how it mm. how it's kind of become? Yeah. I guess I guess you can't really anticipate what what the music that 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 you are actually in and how people are going to take it and where it's going to go. I mean, people will find it hard to believe that I was trying to make hip hop and that's but it came out sounding like jungle. So I feel like where people are taking it today is very exciting. It's very different. The production quality is on another level. It's very, very precise. Um, a lot of the music I'm hearing is really super creative. It's it's amazing, and it's it's some of the even some of the pop stuff I'm hearing is amazing. I'm hearing how people have taken those drums and they've they put great vocals over the top of it. You know, I particularly. If if I'm pushed to say what I really like in in it, I mean I like all of it, but I feel like some of the half speed stuff for me at the moment is just like it's just great. It's really it just reminds me of hip hop. I'm I'm a big still a big fan and lover of hip hop, and so whenever I hear anything that's experimental that's around that frequency, then I'm I'm naturally gravitated to it. Something which, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, on a whole, I think for me, I find it, I find it sort of hard to, to especially nowadays. I'm, 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 I'm exploring so many different things in, in on the in the world right now. But when I listen to music, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out what, what's, what, what the whole story is like. What's the technology? What who are the producers? What are the where's this going? And how does how does technology play a, a place in this? How and 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 where do I see it going in the next five or ten years? I'm always asking those questions. Yeah. I'm always trying to figure out like what are we going to be doing to entertain ourselves in 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 five years time? I think one of the biggest things I'm I'm interested in at the moment is really looking at this whole web free thing, this whole this whole blockchain thing, and and how that's influencing entertainment as a whole. I think music to keep focusing on music without recognizing 
its place in the entertainment world is why we got into the problems that we have done in the last 10 years yeah. not really understanding where it's going so we've got technology companies now who own the music business I think we're starting to wrestle it back where music people now are started tech companies right. I think that's yeah. healthy not that music centred rather than business centred exactly and I think that's what the web free landscape is, is exciting what I'm finding exciting about it and where these small pockets of creators have really thought about how they want to be involved in the industry and how they want to steer the industry and I think that in itself is going to have huge implications because the mass drive around music over the last 10 years has created a sound to fit the demand coming from the platforms and I don't think that's art Yeah, it could be considered a type of art but it's not the type of art that I want to contribute to I don't want to contribute my I don't want to dilute my sound so that more people listen to it or it fits on the platform I don't think that for me anyway that's the way forward I think we've seen a lot of compromise and a lot of dissatisfaction because of that I think what's interesting is that there's a small fraction of people now that are really sort of figuring out it's better to be it, create something with legacy that is going to have impact going to tell their story that can live on on their own personal platform than try and develop something that is inauthentic and I think that's and I think that's been a struggle for a lot of people I hear lots of people talking about streaming and stuff and in the beginning it fitted a purpose but I think we've, we've moved on from that now mm. and I think once we move on from that I think we'll see the music shift again where it'll come back to more of a more of a place where it's more artist led again I think we've I think there's just been a, a weird chase that's, that's that's driven the music to become something else and I think that that's just not been sustainable yeah almost like not doing it for music's sake doing it for other causes yeah it's just not sustainable You and you can hear it in people's conversations everyone's, everyone's tired of the algorithm the chase of satisfying the algorithm of trying to it's like one, once, once you learn the algorithm will never be satisfied then you can wake up 100% because you can't win that game it's not it's not designed for you to win it's designed for the advertisers to win or the platform to win one thing you, you probably have heard this but if you if you don't pay for the platform you're the product yeah right <laughs> right so if you don't pay for it you're you're the product so if you can get that that's going to shift why people do what they do and you know, hopefully we can shift back into something that is there are, don't get me wrong, there are pockets of where it is happening. People are still doing their always. thing. Yeah. And there's there's still some great there's always some great music out there. But I feel like once you've once you once you've been involved in in a in something for so long, you can't help but try and be protective of it and want the best for for it. And you, even if you're not as is involved in it as you once were, I still feel like that is a part of m music heritage, music culture that 
I feel like I still can be a part of in the future, even if I'm an executive in my own business that works with the next generation. My thing would be is to be guiding people and helping people create something still original, still authentic, still unique, and that can still be powerful. I think I've seen it in promotion a lot where people compromise the essence of putting on a night to ensure the sale of tickets. Yeah. Now, it might work in a business sense. This is also very much up for debate, but it, it might work on a business sense to do that. But does it feed into the culture feedback in to creating and ensuring a longevity mm. like you were saying it's, it's short term gains yeah. over long term establish a long term story like tapestry yeah. mm. and I see it so much within promotion something, something which I've been involved in for nearly 10 years and I see it so much where promoters will go and draw for recycled lineups or safe bet artists that they know will sell tickets and then it really squeezes out and pushes out up-and-coming talent, yeah. but also artists that aren't quite as popular, but are also extremely talented, yeah. that really feed into the the overall tapestry of music culture, yeah. that I think is essential to maintain. And when you talk about the use of technology, and like you say, the business-centered mentality around it, I think capitalism can uh, is <laughs> they're like music and capitalism are like almost like. Ahead, <laughs> if you choose one, yeah. you compromise on the other, yeah. and I think that's like a massive, massive thing that does that happens. And I've seen it in the UK at the moment. To talk about the UK scene more in particular, I see it more and more now at the moment, where a lot of the nights, even in my lifetime of raving and partying and going out and experiencing music, dancing, etc., live music, whatever, that the landscape's changed a lot. Mm. And what I was trying to something I was interested in about the drum and bass thing is, right now it's very popular. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm a very I've been a, the first thing I ever mixed was drum and bass. Mm. That's how I learned how to DJ. I have I've veered off and I'm not I'm, I couldn't comment on if it's more popular now than it's ever been. Maybe you could, but. I see it's very popular music now. It's and that's something which keeps coming into my head while you were talking about that yeah. is the story I was told before from by Congo Natty and Tenafly of back in the, when they had the Jungle Alliance and you couldn't get booked for love nor money unless you were part of this like or like obviously you guys people could get booked but mm. there was a large part of like almost like control over who was playing. Mm. Which kind of touches on what I was saying. That that was that again. That that was the power was in the musicians' hands as to who was playing, mm. right? Whether or not that's right or wrong is also open to debate. But I thought it was a really beautiful story for a number of reasons. Where he basically goes on to explain to me that the tune "Incredible" by General Levy, he approached the Jungle Alliance, which was like Storm, Hip, Dillinger, him, and a whole heap of all other OGs. And he told him that he'd been offered an opportunity to present the tune on top of the pops. And they all warned him heavily mm. to not do it because they were worried of the impact that it was going to have 
mm. on the scene that they'd that been part of creating. Mm. And he went and did it anyway. And their words were they watched the crowd change. They yeah. watched it go from black to white yeah. and introduced the introduction of drug culture into the rave scene. Obviously not direct, probably there's a lot mm. of other factors into this, mm. not just that song, but it's a really beautiful like single example of how mm. that music went from being presented in a club environment underground, got took above ground, mm. presented to people on who were sat on their sofas at home mm. on top of the pops, and then it was seen to be cool mm. and popular. And how that influenced and the ripple effects of that and and, and something which I see now is like music, drum, drum and bass is so popular Yeah. to bring it back to topic is drum and bass yeah. is so popular now and I love that there's so many positives to that mm. it opens a lot of doors it introduces the music to a, a vast array of people mm. but I also wonder what the impacts of that is the dilution of culture mm. sometimes mm. and the misappropriation of certain essences yeah. Yeah, you take a big sigh because I'm sure it connects with you in some ways. But something which I've seen within it happens within reggae music all yeah. the time, and they're big protectors of it. They've always have been. And it's, it's been. It's yeah. I mean, it's very hard to keep keep it a secret for so long, and I think that vulture cultures are real. <laughs> yeah, and they have they have a knack of jumping on things because they're popular and they all help boost their credibility and make them seem relevant and so it's attractive that's one side of it the other side of it is if the music wasn't any good yeah. they wouldn't want to jump on it that's true so the music is great and it's lasted this long and it's having another resurgence the music does this every six or seven years it's at an all time high and there's some phenomenal music out there and it is reaching more and more people one of the interesting things about it is is doing these interviews and so I'm doing a series of podcasts and I want to capture a lot of the original people stories so it's it's like we got the library yeah Right, and it's. I think that's important. Yeah, we right. need we need to hear about what the original Jungle Fever was like, original raves in Milton Keynes was like. We need to know about these stories from these people historically, because the younger generation they need to hear it. They need to hear these stories. They need to find out what what it was like there. Just like I'll sit and I'll watch a documentary about James Brown. I'll watch a documentary about the Beatles. I want to know. I want to know why John left the band. I want to know how they got together in Liverpool. Uh, to me, that fascinated me. Someone who loves music, that is inspiring. When I made my, when I made one of my albums, I was listen. I listened to the Beatles nearly every day. Yeah. Because I just was like, these guys were the biggest pop band in the world, and then they all they went off script. Why? <laughs> so I just li listening to some of their crazy albums, like um, um, Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. I was listening to that, and it was like just an amazing conceptual album that, if you really get into it, can teach you a lot about composition, musicality, songwriting. So I found that really, really useful, and 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 I think that Jungle has a lot to offer mainstream pop 
has a lot to offer films classical classic classical right. uh, compositions as well like if you listen to what we're doing no one else is doing that and so there's something in it there's a, it's a musical form that's created a whole industry that's lasted 30 years there's something in that and so when these people are taking a piece of it that's what's driving them that curiosity that something in it that how is this music able to do what it's do and still have even though it's got this crossover vibe it's still huge in on a Friday night with 200 people with a hardcore lineup it's still playing authentic sound there and then you can flip and bounce it and go to to Milton Keynes 2,000 people with a, a bit more of a recognised lineup, and that's still pumping and then you can turn on the the radio and hear Chasing Status do a bad of them yeah and it's still ha- but it's still a, still an authentic tune I mean they ain't watered that down that's right. a tune still banging in the clubs and sure. so there's this trifecta that still is affecting it that I, I'm not sure I think I think hip hop has had the same kind of trajectory where you've seen the music go from its initial roots to its saturating all cultures. I mean, hip hop's yeah. the number one culture on the planet. 100%. How has it done that? <laughs> right? But you listen to almost all music, it's got some hip hop vibe in it. The mm. way that even even jungle MCs. Yeah. A lot a lot of that's hip hop. Yeah. yeah. A lot of that's hip hop. Yeah. Some of the grime MCs. Some of the grime MCs are in New York now, in America now, yeah. rolling with de- with yeah. with those guys, getting put on by those guys. So they they're recognizing, and so there's this. I think where we're heading is this big melting pot again, and I think I think we're all gonna be we're all gonna be diluted into. Because listen, I'm 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 affected by bass culture. I listen to grime. I listen to hip hop. I listen to trap. I listen to classical pop uh, I listen to everything and then when I'm set in the studio I'm trying to melt that all down into what my new style is because I've had to evolve the crust sound from Warhead to Angles to Soul Emotion to Coded Language to my latest thing and my latest album The Edge of Everything and to my collaboration with Need for Mirrors the Cloud Law Project there's an evolution. There's a story, and I, and as a and as a, and a contemporary artist, I have to be aware of that. I, I often think about Miles Davis and his philosophy, and Quincy Jones. This whole thing where you you've got to be in it deep, and and even Elton John. Elton John talks about rap all the time. He's always talking about rappers. He's always putting on rapper putting rappers on. It's like we have to if we listen if we want our culture to go to the next level. We are the ones who have to do it. Yeah. And you mentioned as when we started about Rick Rubin and his book, he recognizes that the skill that he's got and the way that he views it is a is a is not it's not a dying art form, but there's not many people that view it the way he does. That book tells you how to do it. Yeah. He's doing the interview and the podcast run right now. Watch him, listen to him. If you're serious about music, that's one of the, our greatest producers of all time right now yeah. openly telling us the philosophy secrets, really. yeah the secrets yeah. right he's opened the, the little the book up and said look this is the way i think this is what i believe and he hasn't been wrong he's got the track record yeah 
right? And this is a guy who doesn't work the boards. He's the guy that sits there and nods his head and points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the, the importance of harnessing cross-cultural influences is, some, is essential to the continuation of music. It's everlasting evolution. As I, as I put it, yeah, it's constantly changing, constantly growing, without acknowledging all the other aspects of musical creativity. Mm. Not even just musical creativity; it can be yeah. creativity any kind. Yeah. The current creative thread, the current mm. message that's coming through. You were saying, like, making sure you acknowledge, like, you with your music in particular, right? So, as an example, you listen to coded language, you listen to you have tunes where you're you're bringing in some a message there there's a very strong verbal message in that tune for anyone who hasn't listened to it go listen to it and check it out but but it's a very strong lyrical message in there of of like a a deep philosophy and attitude mm. that isn't taught and isn't something which is you come to learn mm. through life and you come to learn and i think you've worked with loads of different artists of course your time not just within the drum and bass world multicultural artists other singers what what have you instrumentalists the importance of that do you think do, what I'm getting is you're saying correct me if I'm wrong is that the importance of connecting with those other cultural influences the cross-cultural mm. dynamic mm. is almost like what you're saying is essential to ensuring yes a healthy and longevity and, and the growth of, of all of it. Yeah, because yeah. because no no one man is an island and we can't have, a, like, the music itself came from the cross-culture and for it to keep growing, it's going to have to keep crossing cultures. we got to remember that there's a generation of people now who are making music who grew up on our music. They didn't grow up on the music that we were influenced by they grew up on jungle as it as a form or trap as a form or grime as a form so they're they haven't gone back to the roots of it right so they're they're listening to music and they're having to synthesize from this music what they hear the next thing is and some some of it's amazing some of them is is great but the ones where you hear like what's that young kid's name there's this new young kid that's coming through. Sorry, look him up. It's fine. But I just got to remember his name. Yeah, no because worries. Because he's a perfect example of Tizo Touchdown. You've been hearing about no, him? I don't know. So this kid sounds like Prince. Okay. <laughs> he's like 19 years old. He dresses like Miss Ellie. Yeah. He, he, he's like, and he sounds like Prince. And you can hear this kid's music history is very very varied very varied right he may have he may have grown up listening to a lot of 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 stuff at the time but you can hear he's at some point he's been introduced to to the greats yeah i had i had the great fortune of interviewing chuck d about 20 wow. years ago i mean it was nuts how the whole thing was actually nuts it was quite interesting but one of the things i spoke to him about was I was curious because the documentary thing that we were making, we were trying to find out 
the source of our music by talking to these people. Right. So I, I spoke to Arthur Baker, Chuck D, Jizza, Jizza, Kenny Dope, and I was talking to them about where do you get your inspiration from? And so Chuck D, he said, the greatest era of music was the 70s. I was like, really? And he said, yeah, and he just broke it down. Like, if you ever hear Chuck D talk, he's like an encyclopedia. He knows dates, facts, drummers, the skins, the sticks. Like, it was so deep. I couldn't speak for about an hour. He went in. But the 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 knowledge that he has, you can hear it in his music. When you hear Public Enemy's albums, that's because of the history that these guys have got. Right. It just and when you hear Michael Jackson's Thriller, that's because listen to the mu- listen to the musicianship. Yeah. Understand who Quincy Jones was. Understand who sorry, but I can't remember the producer. There's another producer in there. L- listen to l- understand his history. You you study the Beatles. L- listen to their music repertoire. And so when you hear this music and it's so eclectic, it's so different, and it touches on so many different people's walks of life. That music comes from a place, from many sorry, from many different places, from many different influences, and it and that's how it impacts the next the next people who hear it. Yeah, and I think that that is what we're moving towards. I feel like at the moment the shift what I'm sensing isn't just the music one; it is a planetary shift, a cultural shift on every, on all fronts, like technology, finance, consciousness, spirituality. It's being transmitted through the music. It's being transmitted through the medium and the art forms, painting. Look how graphs changed. Mm. Look how contemporary arts changed. Look contemporary dance. Yeah. Like if you watch some contemporary dance now, it's like it looks like break dancing. It looks like ballet. Yes, a, it, a mixture of all of it, isn't it? It's, You're right. And then you look at break dancing. That looks like ballet and contemporary dance. It's like the whole thing is breaking apart and becoming something new. And we're we're at these sort of crossroads. Observe, we're all in the same house, looking out of different windows, talking about what we can see. Mm. But it's the house that's being renovated. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice analogy. I like that. I, it it really touches back onto something we were talking about earlier, when you say about. So you're talking about the mixture of influences, right? That basically what I'm trying to touch on is I see now is music genres now are more they more go down an evolutionary branch rather than you don't see very rarely see new genres popping up mm. you see an evolution of genres yeah. or a fusion yeah. you see more fusion now and yeah. like you said within uh, dance as well with other artistic expression as well mm. it's a lot of cooking mm. even you yeah. see that so much with cooking now the pop-up fusion restaurants mm. left right and center mm. so i've never really thought about it actually until you just mentioned it like that but it touches really nicely back onto something which we started we talked about the at the start of the conversation and also kind of feeds into like the, how the future is going to look mm. but it's it, i think an influence might be to do with the accessibility like a long time ago people's ability to well initially the internet didn't exist right mm. so communication internet has enabled c- communication globally mm. at, the t- at the touch of a button yeah but not just globally locally too you know you don't have to go knock on your mate to have a conversation you don't have to write letters you can have an instant chat 
And so the, the ability to collaborate via technology mm. has enabled it might have it might have stifled the ability to come up with new ideas in a raw sense maybe i'm this is a completely just i'm thrown out there based yeah, on what we're saying yeah. and and but but also in in its own right enabled massive levels of collaboration and building on ideas and and then and then through that it's like because now everyone can can learn yeah. how to do you can just open up youtube and you can learn how to do anything mm. or you can get tutor mentorship tutorship mm. uh, it's kind of breeded into a culture of a stronger culture of collaboration and exp and kind of f almost pushing things down these like channels mm. like if you imagine i imagine it like a tree root further you go down the kind of deeper you go mm. and i think yeah that's definitely technology's quite likely had a, a very strong influence on that yeah i definitely would agree with that and I think that is that is it's a beautiful thing to see. It's not a bad mm. thing. It's no it's no there's no wrong right or wrong mm. here. It's just, it's just an interesting observation as to how it might and also might help us kind of when you're saying you don't know where the future is and what the future holds. I think part of the reason why drum and bass, bring it back to that, also has been able to connect and become so popular. It also has enabled some to become so popular is the openness of artists and creatives within the the culture within the music mm. to collaborate mm. with other the, the artists. some genres are very purist mm. uh, some producers are very, some genres they don't step outside and mm. classical music as a whole is produced in a certain way and they do that in a certain way obviously there's always going to be artists that collaborate and push the boundaries and do new things and, and take it on a fusion level but drum and bass in particular has always been, like you said, mm. comes from hip hop and it's always been a culture or music that has brought in and worked with other people and mm. worked with new things. And so mm. I guess that in its sense has been a strength of it, but also enabled it to become as popular as it is today because it, then it connects with more people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think the 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 people that work in it are, are shy of experimentation. Yeah. You know, they really do embrace like, like anything. I get sent a considerable amount of music a week and I hear the, the, the variety of what people are doing. There's one young guy and the name will come back to me, but this it's very African influenced, just like the, 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 the sound palette. You, you can just hear it's a lot of like drums and bongos and it's like, it's just really different. Yeah, it's got, and it's it's even the arrangements different as well, and it's like just refreshing to hear, like yeah. the level of experimentation and the, the level that the, this artist is willing to 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 go to, to represent him and his sound, and I, and I think I think more 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 than any time in history, I think music is 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 allowing people to really find their own voice, and because of the the melting pot and the genres. You are, you can figure out what your sound is in that, and still find a place for for people to appreciate that. Yeah, nice, definitely. And I think yeah, we've talked. We've this has been an amazing chat. I think like we've talked about so much and <laughs> touched on so many things. Before I forget, I always like to ask all the guests and put them on the spot a little bit. So forgive me if you don't have an answer. That's okay. I like to ask and for the people listening as well is 
what is your rarest piece of music that you know of? And when I say rare, it's like open to interpretation. Right. <laughs> this sometimes freezes people. It's like that. There's like must be. There's a psychological condition when you go and you ask someone to put a song on in a, in a room and they've not been. In, they're not in the zone of that. Yeah. It just kind of throws you off. So it's fine. We can come back to it if you want to uh, think about it. I mean. Do you know what I can see? I've got a collection of records in my studio and I've got yeah. one section that's just like just really obscure pieces of music. Yeah. And it would probably be any one of those and I can't I can see the covers. But I I, I couldn't That's okay. Yeah. Why are they rare? Why are they rare? Are they rare in terms of like production or, or just, just like, yeah, just different pieces of music. Yeah. Some just like eclectic stuff that yeah. I was fortunate enough to go around the world and pick up pieces right and just just experimental music i guess sometimes i would love i'd love to just sit in the studio and just listen to lots of music and just listen to i think one of the i'm not sure if this is the the the, the rarest but miles davis's bitches brew was one of the records that i used to listen to quite a lot and that heavily influenced my very first album coded language that was a big influence on that um and then there was a, a a reissue of one of his albums that got remastered, and the name of it begins with a PH, oh, Pant Pant or something. I'll remember in a minute. But that album, I I was on repeat for about a year, and it it's just I think it's four remastered tracks. Next level, like incredible musicianship but also arrangements as well just the way that some would drop in and drummers the drummers breakdowns and stuff it was for me it was an ed it was a going back to school right. really listening to because when you think about it's easy for me to sit down and program an intro a drop a build up and a, a middle eight and an outro but when you hear in a like People think my music's long. <laughs> Listen to some of those jazz albums. Those some of those those jazz solos are like seven eight minutes, and like I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, like how are they doing that? How is that still interesting after all this time? Like what what are they doing? How are they how are they getting those key changes? How is the drummer? dropping in like that how why is the and for me i'm trying to really listen to the production the 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 arrangement you know and i'm trying to dig into the, the why of it the the why of the whole thing as well like why is this 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 album the way it is and so i i i i, I take all that on board when i think about my music mm. i think about that in general in everything i do to be honest I don't think I I don't think I compartmentalize it to music anymore. I think I did when I first started, but I, I when I left music, I think for my first my 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 big break it was like, like seven years. I think that showed me that what you, what I learned in music was applicable to everything else. I started a business from that point of view. I started doing coaching and mentoring from that point of view. I started to really think differently from that point of view and then that sort of helps me understand 
like it's not really about music it's about being creative it's about being disruptive it's about being innovative it's about using your imagination and tuning into instincts and one of the things one of the big overarching things i got from it as well is this whole idea that when people make music they take it for granted that what they do is is easy right you speak to your music friends and we mm. or, we just talk about music like it's nothing it's not it's a very highly sophisticated skill. Yeah. It's like watching the when, like Pele or Maradona or, or or Messi now, right? You see the way they weave in and out and you try and do Second it. Second nature to them though. Right, but we try and do it and it's like balls going all over the place. Right. Like it's an art form. Agreed. Right? And so people take it for granted. You're right. I was thinking about this yesterday. Right. And so I, I had to I had to stop. Right. So I stopped for seven years and I answered one question. And that one question was, how did you become a producer? How did you become a DJ? And that was because prior to that, when we were on tour, touring around, I kept hearing this question. People kept coming up to me, how did you become a DJ? How did you become a producer? And I, first of all, I was kind of like, how can, what do you mean? Like, it's obvious, isn't it? But the reason why I found it obvious is because I was hanging out with people who were doing it all the time. So it's it was, norm, yeah. so it was the norm. Yeah. And these people were coming up to me, they didn't have a, they didn't know. And so eventually I was like, I need to, I heard it so often. And by then I was ready for my breakthrough to my next level. So I took the seven years and I was like, I need to learn what, what I've just done, <laughs> what we've just done. I need to understand that. What is the process? Why did we do it? And the people, there were other people around us that were doing it as well. Why aren't, why aren't they here? So I tried to figure out what the difference was. How come we fought like that? Why did we believe the things we did? How did we learn the things we did? And it took me, I'm still learning it, but yeah. what I got from that was just like, it's this mindset shift. It's, these, these, it's about being resilient. It's about having a, imagining a future and learning how to trust your instincts. And part of that is this ability, and this is the huge shift that when you get it, it can potentially change your life. It did mine. Is that you have a skill. If you make music, if you make art, if you do anything that involves using your imagination and sensing fine energy, you're tuning in, you're sensing fine energy, you're being, and then you, you translate that fine energy into information that you can draw, you can paint, you can translate into music. So then you have to use this, this, this medium of exchange into the technology that takes your idea that you just drawn from the ether. Mm. Now you've translated that into the technology and you've had to learn how to take that to, to that stage in the technology. Then you learn how to use the technology to m make your idea audible or visible to other people, including yourself. Then you need to learn how to make it <laughs> look great, right. sound great, so that when other people see it, they can appreciate it and maybe buy it or dance to it or wear it, right? Yeah. That's not an easy thing to do, mm. right? And when you break it down like that, you start to understand that is a skill. That is a really, really, really high level skill. That's just like investment banking or architect building buildings or being a mathematician. That is a high level skill. Not many people can do that. Yeah. Do it really well to the degree that you can make a live, you can devote your life on it. That's heavy when you really break it down and, and understand it. So when I started to learn all these things, it, it, 
I, I could I could extrapolate the, the finer aspects of that and understand, well, if I can do it there, I can do it over there. And when I really got that, it really opened up my whole kind of idea about what I could achieve and what I could accomplish. And then, right, it, it, it gave me, like, again, a borrowing confidence and borrowing courage. Because I know I can do it over there. I just don't know how to do it. But I know that it can be done. So then I'll step into it and use that same kind of exploratory mindset to achieve it. That's that's really beautiful. So you told me at the beginning you you were involved in this mentoring, Adapter Canvas, that's mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I was going to ask you, you've kind of allured to it, but you can build on that if you want. Is So that, explain, maybe to explain to the listeners what that is, what it looks like, but what I wanted to ask you is where the inspiration came from and did it come from your music? And I feel like you've kind of kind of just answered that process, uh, that question somewhat, mm. is that the lessons you've learned from music and, and and applied to your, through making music, through reconnecting with your process, mm. your creative process, the essence, as mm. it were, of, to why you make it, has enabled you to learn things that you're now bringing into a mentor, a mentoring thing is that is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I I was involved in music from from I kind of got interested in it at fourteen, and then right through from fresh four to we had a cycle courier company. That's for another conversation. Yeah. Me and my brothers did that, and then after that we did, you know, went on to do full cycle. We did full cycle up until I was about maybe thirty seven, forty. But it was it was this journey that was relentless, and especially the last seven years, it was re- it was just relentless. And I, my body, my mind, mental couldn't take anymore. So the and this is very the the story kind of connects because the character I created, the vehicle crust, the integrity of that came to its natural conclusion. It just couldn't. I just couldn't carry on being this 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 thing that I created. I could hear my my true self saying, "Mate, we got to get back to ground zero. If you keep going down this road, it's not going to end well." And it, for three or four years, I was ignoring it, pretending I couldn't hear the voice, pushing it down, pushing it down. And then eventually, I was standing in the club one of our nights at Full Cycle, and I could ju- I just said to myself, "Is this it? Like, is this is this what you've? Is this what it com- is this what it comes to? This." And I kind of looked around, and by on paper it, it was a great life, but it, there was just something missing, and that was really the end of it for me. I yeah. ducked, I ducked out. Mm-hmm. But what the story was really about was it, I needed to reinvent myself. I'd gone fifteen year cycle mm. with this crust character. It just needed to be reinvented. I didn't have the skill set or the tools or I couldn't articulate it then. I just knew that I wasn't happy. Mm, You lost connection to yourself a little bit. Yeah. There there wasn't another... I didn't have a vision beyond that thing. And so once I took a step back, I regrouped, I started to answer that question. It was... That kind of opened up this whole another experience for me that was just as satisfying as producing. It was just as satisfying as DJing. There's, it's just that there wasn't any decks or I wasn't in a studio. It was about me talking, using creativity to solve my own problem. And when I realized I could do that, it was like, it was, it was again, the light bulb went bing. I, gotta, I know I can do this. 
and I started doing talks and workshops and I would be in doing these talks and workshops like I was on the decks. Like I was performing, I'd be running around the room telling stories and I had such a good time doing it. I loved it. I still do love it. I still do it. But that now is morphed into an online uh, program. Uh, the one I'm running at the moment is called Elevation Formula. And really it's it's guiding, coaching and mentoring creatives, entrepreneurs, business owners in the entertainment industry who who feel like they've kind of come to that natural conclusion of of their journey and they want to do something else um they don't know how to do it they think that they got to go back into the get a real job or some people have a real job and they want to re revisit their passion and they want to go back to the thing something that they wanted to do when they were younger but didn't figure out how to do it so i'm in that sweet spot where I've been there, I've had the great career, and also I stopped doing it, but then I came back and my career's taken off again. So I got intimate knowledge of the mindset that you need to actually accomplish that. The mindset to start something from nothing, what it takes to be able to build something, all the stages, all the mental stages that you have to go through, all the self-talk that comes up that push your buttons because there's a lot of self-worth that's involved in it. There's a lot of beliefs that need to be changed, a lot of beliefs that need to be upgraded. And the journey when you're doing trying to do it by yourself can be quite daunting. There's a lot of stuff that happens that people don't talk about. You won't see a lot of the real, like you see a lot of interesting um, memes on, on social media, but they're not going to tell you exactly what it is because it's not sexy to, to, to write a meme. Hey man, I had a really hard day today. That doesn't read well, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It doesn't read well. But the reality is when you're trying to reinvent yourself, when you're trying to get something you haven't got before, when you're trying to take your life to that next level, and whatever that next level is because part of the problem is when people say I want to go to the next level what does the next level actually look like so people have this idea yeah I want to make my life the next level they don't know what what it looks like or where to take it so they're just stuck in this constant conversation that isn't clear and so what I come in and I help them do is we get a plan together, a step-by-step plan. We look at where you come from, we look at where you are today, we look at where you're going, and then we shuffle it around. It's like being in a studio. We break down the whole, the, the, the parts to their constituents parts, and then we rebuild you. Mm. We build you from the mind up, give you the, give, help, help you tune into the ideas. Because most people, when they come to me, I say, what do you want to do? They go, well, I don't know. You do know, you just don't believe you can do it. And so they don't actually say it. After two or three weeks of working together, they go, yeah, I know what it is. But they always knew what it was. They just pushed it away so far because they didn't believe that they could do it. They kind of left it behind. We Again, borrowing confidence, borrowing courage, getting to a place where you feel confident enough to just try it. You don't have to do the whole thing. You just got to just try it because you've got to train yourself to start moving in a different place that you haven't moved before. And then... The, once you start moving in that direction, it's like the momentum starts and yeah. you're off to the races. Yeah, I can I can really relate to that. Everything you just said, and often when you've got to a certain position, like you said, I think it's very important to remember that when sometimes taking I say this often to people and to myself, but sometimes taking a step back is the way forward. Mm and and 
often the way forward can look like going backwards. Mm. It cannot, especially if you've got to a really prolific position, like in your example where you were mm. DJ Cross, touring the DJ, global recognition, etc., etc. It's very intimidating yeah. to then go to back to something brand new and fresh. You're you're a virgin again. You're learning everything again. Mm. You're going through all of those battles that you went through on the beginning of your journey behind putting uh, building that confidence building that wall yeah. up in yourself going i'm just going to do this that it's, it's it's not like you you can just go into a new thing and you're already in that elevated state because it's a whole new project it's yeah. a whole new avenue a whole new set of skills mm. you don't have mm. and so you just it, it's and it's very it can be very disconcerting i can very much relate even starting this podcast was mm. part of that journey for me mm. and i can relate because i Done my the sound system thing. I do it. I built it up. I've worked really hard at it. I, I've learned a lot. I'm, but coming to this, it's taken me two years to launch this project, mm. and that's because I, of that whole journey. Being in a position where I was ready to accept that going yeah. backwards might be the way forwards. Yeah. And like you say, the momentum comes, and then once before you, you're doing it, and you're you're on the wheel, and then five years down the line, you'll be thinking, how have I ended up here again? It's like, that's the way it goes. Yeah. And I think that's really beautiful. I think, like, yeah, anyone who wants to check that out, where can they find, like, yeah. accessibility to that? Where, where's the best place to yeah, reach just, out? Yeah, just go to adaptthecanvas.com as my sort of website newsletter there. There's all my blogs and contact details are on there. Case studies, the courses there. Online as well, there's podcasts as well. So Brilliant. I've been doing a lot of talks about this stuff lately. That's oh. great. I think it's really part of, but really important, and something which a load of people I even I know of just in my immediate circles would would, kind of, would value and mm. or may may value from. Mm. Before we wrap it up, I think we've we've talked we've covered really beautifully a lot of the topics that we like to talk about on this podcast very naturally, and it's been a really great discussion. I've found it extremely stimulating. I've learned so much, and I'll take away a lot from this. So I hope that the listeners will as well. Um, I just like to think maybe one last bit of sort of knowledge or nugget or advice you could give to a drum and bass producer who there'll be plenty of them listening, I'm sure. Mm. In terms of the going forward, what if you could give your advice, a little bit of nugget of advice to anyone who. Yeah, do going on a similar journey to you. What would it be? Yeah, I think there's two 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 pieces of advice. So one is expand your palette. What it is that you you're trying to create. I think drum and bass, jungle music, is very much like jazz or punk music in the sense that it has this this very wide kind of canvas that it can be lots of different things, and there is enough space in there for you to create your own USP, your own brand, your own sound. To have a career. In this music, you will need to have your own sound. You need to have your own story, your own brand that is unique to you. So spend some time figuring out what that is, figuring out what your why is. Why do you want to make music? Why is it important for you? And why do you want to go into one of the hardest industries in the world? And if you're going to do that, you might as well spend some time in creating something that is unique. Spend that little bit of extra time, do some research. Study the greats. And I don't mean study the greats. Yeah, study some of the great jungle producers but also studied the great music producers generally like go back into history study some of the great classics study some of the great funk producers punk producers people that have made great landmark 
projects. Twenty years ago, I I started off. I started a a, a punk band with a couple of, of friends, and we put on a playlist like twenty of the best albums out there, and that's all we listened to, and it just really helped us understand what great music is. And of course, it's subjective, but find out what some great albums are, some great records, and put them on repeat. Preferably not in jungle at the moment. Just listen to great musicianship and then see how that influences what you do in the studio. And the other thing is spend some time in culture. Go to museums. Mm. Travel around some other countries. Expand your your knowledge. Find a source, but more widen your source. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like learn some stuff. Go to other countries. Read some books about, about some famous people that have done interesting things, Leonardo da Vinci, Imhotep, some Mesoamerican stuff, like some like really study culture, art, and, and just allow it to expand your mind and meditate and visualize on how that can impact your story, your journey, and then go to the studio, close your eyes, and see what comes out. Don't go in with a preconceived idea that you're going to make jungle. I never think like that. I go in the, into the studio and think I'm going to have an adventure. I know it's going to be at 170, but it's to me, it's like I'm not trying to make jungle. I'm trying to just tell these stories that, like I said in the beginning, transport someone to somewhere else. Amazing. That is, yeah, that's beautiful. I think great bits of advice, not just for drum and bass artists, but for, mm. for all artists mm. in any medium even I'd say that translates to thank you so much Crust for joining us on Discuss it's been another episode and I hope everyone's really enjoyed it as much as I have and we'll see you all on the next one thank you very much thank you for having me bro